Welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Ideas are free. Get them while quantities last. You know, uh, the ideas, they're sort of a non-physical thing. So quantities really just last as long as you decide you want them to last. Yeah. Realistically, you could take any one of these ideas at any time because every time you take one, it's just still there for anyone to take. This episode, we do have a guest. It, introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello. There is the interesting thing uh, with this particular guest that I don't think the lazy applies here. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> okay. Um, hi, I'm Natalie. Um, I am a web serial writer. And mostly I write gay space operas. That's sort of what I do. So it's interesting to be a guest on a podcast where there is more going on than simply gay space opera. Hey, gay space opera is A plus stuff. I absolutely <laughs> read the gay space opera. So in terms of the laziness, I just did a check. And uh, for 2020... Natalie wrote what six hundred and sixty thousand words, uh, which totals totals yep. to double my total output on Royal Road over the last eight years. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that, it does feel like a bit more. I mean, <laughs> than, than it feels like it. It, it sounds like a lot, but it also just makes me look very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Quality over quantity sometimes. Okay. Well, let's introduce ourselves. So, I'm Atheo, author of uh, two stories on Royal Road myself. One is Rune, and currently on the back burner, and the other is Metagame, which I'm working on uh, channeling my inner Natalie here and uh, posting every day for the last <laughs> for the last little bit since 2021 20, started. We'll see how long it lasts. Hi, my name is Eunice. I write in quotation marks two stories i have not updated in in about two months at this point and uh that is not likely to to change in the next few days because of uh my laziness <laughs> yeah so uh we usually ask our authors to bring their story ideas to talk about on on our guest episodes so what do you got for us? So part of my problem is that in general, I have like approximately one idea for per year. And then I milk that idea for <laughs> all it is worth. Um, so I, <laughs> I did not come prepared with a super elaborate um, high concept already. And so I have used a random word generator to to pull a couple things together to hopefully spark some interesting discussion. So. The words that I have grabbed are drawing contrary strain and drift, which already gives me some interesting ideas, maybe because we're living in the Rona times. I'm, I'm thinking of like, maybe there's a magic system that's constantly mutating or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? So drawing contrary strange and drift. Strain, not strange. Strain. That's okay. interesting. Man, I like I like the strange idea, but strain also works. <laughs> I think, I mean, you just started with a magic system, and I do kind of like that. 
What if it's a kind of like art-based magic system that's like when you draw something you can like make it have some kind of effect but as people's interpretation of the painting changes it sort of changes how that painting interacts with magic oh yeah i like that a lot (laughs) so yeah like i would say that you know if you create this artwork it kind of creates a permanent magic as long as the piece of artwork is not destroyed but if it depends on how it's interpreted, then, you know, throughout time, the same item will exert, you know, shifting effect. So how, how do you think, like, the drawing would... Is it, is it like a one-time use thing? Like, you draw a picture, and then every time someone looks at it, the effect happens? Or is it you draw it once, and as soon as you are finished the magic takes place is it like i'm thinking of like a middle ground here right so uh-huh. when you draw it you set down like your personal interpretation of it and what that means and everything and then like they need people to look at the at the paintings or the drawings to sort of power them up as it were but then they have like a consistent effect over time so like you can't just hide it away so that nobody can ever reinterpret your art and you can't just, like, get rid of it so that nobody can ever do anything. It's a consistent effect that lasts as long as people are continuing to look at this uh, piece. Yeah, I would say that, I guess, it would have an effect within, like, the range of how far away people can see it. I wouldn't say that as soon as nobody's looking at it, it loses its effect, but I would say... Not as soon as nobody's looking at it, but, like, over time it peters out. Yeah, it fades, and it's renewed by being looked at, which is interesting. Maybe even renewed by, like, new people looking at it. So you can't have, like, just one person comes in to look at it every three days and goes, yes, this is the painting I drew. And, And I would say, like, if it's intended to be very temporary, then people would do a more temporary type of art, you know? Like, they might make an ice sculpture that would melt if they want want it to be temporary um and if they want it to last for years they might make a sculpture or something of that nature i kind of like the idea of maybe you intend it to be temporary but so many people like looked at it and enjoyed it that like it just becomes permanent and you don't have any choice over the matter so like the more people like appreciate it and spread the image of it it just like becomes more permanent um from wherever it was to begin with yeah so you could make an ice sculpture, but if it was, like, an incredible ice sculpture, it might just become, like, a sculpture that happens to be technically made out of ice. There's this really cool art piece that I've read about. It's called the Fabiola Project. And basically what this is, is there's this painting of this person called St. Fabiola that the p- original painting was lost, but the people throughout the ages have recreated this painting in based on memory or based on other people's versions of this painting. And then this artist has collected like hundreds of these reproductions just in a room. And that, that just sort of sparks this idea for me, like all of these tiny variations on the same theme. What, what would it be like in this world where if an image itself sort of has power and the original has been lost, but everyone is collecting, like making their own interpretation of it. I just think that's really cool. 
Yeah, I would say that, like, reproduction... That actually sounds like a really cool plot idea. Yeah, I would say, like, reproductions of the same art would have, you know, add-on effects. It would, it would almost be like powering a spell on multiple levels um, to give it a more global effect. Yeah, I actually, like, really like that idea of, like, the spreading, like, viral art piece. Mm-hmm. And then it would have, like, a shifting effect kind of throughout the world because it's kind of interpreted in a culturally different way wherever it goes. Okay, so we have a sort of world. What what sorts of um, effects do these these paintings generate in particular? And I think the biggest one that I want to wonder is if we're going to go with that viral that viral art pot idea, then what do we want our like originator art piece to have done? I mean, I think if we're talking about art <laughs> I've, I've already written about this, um, but like the the purpose of art is to have an effect on people's minds. So maybe it's like primarily psychological, like if you, see something it maybe like makes you believe something else or changes changes the way you think about things and then maybe you're able to affect the world i don't know see i had an idea but then i realized that i was just cribbing from your story and I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, see i told you i only have one idea for a year and then i obsess over it <laughs> yeah no i was i was gonna crib from um, in the shadow of heaven for a yeah. second there because I was like oh what if it what if it like psychically connects people and then I'm like wait a second <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've already I've already done this one oh no <laughs> so I would say that actually the base or the like the lesser level level of magic out there would be just a literal interpretation of what you're drawing like people want it to rain consistently. So they just draw a scene of a farmer's field in a rainstorm or, you know, a light rain that's good for crops or whatever. And then like to have stronger effects we're talking about or like more subtle effects takes a lot more, you know, intention. And I guess uh, it, it becomes less consistent because of the stronger dependence on interpretation of the viewer. So do you think like size would make a piece more powerful? So like if you had not directly, you know those giant earthworks of yeah. For the power thing, I just want to like cut in here. I don't think that it would directly make it more powerful, but given the size and the like impressiveness and the fact that more people can see it like at a time, I would think that being larger would sort of contribute to being more immediately powerful, even if. It probably wouldn't last as long because fewer new people would see it unless you're, you know, actively importing people. So if you put like a giant, I don't know, Statue of Liberty statue up where a bunch of people are just seeing it as they go by, that might get you something. Yeah, I would say that um, like the duration that it lasts for on viewing depends on the mental impact that it has on the viewer. So if you make it super impressive, each view will last a bit longer than if it was, you know, something that barely registers on someone's consciousness. Do you think that, like, the artist themselves would have the most powerful effect then? Or is the artist sort of immune to their own? 
well, they're imparting the effects. Like the original empowering of the art is the effect that it has on them as they create it. Yeah. But that only lasts for like a certain period of time, dependent on how much of an impact it had on them. Because if they were just, you know, doodling a sketch in a book and they didn't really mean anything by it, that's a little different than they spent 40 hours making a giant mural for people to see. Yeah. So I would say that the artist's interpretation of the art is what determines the initial effect of the magic. And then after their influence fades, then it's, you know, whoever saw it next. That that leaves a pretty interesting idea, I think, if, like, if someone's trying to create something, you know, just to manipulate others, but they don't actually care very deeply about what they're creating, then it might weaken the magic. Die before anybody sees it. I'm thinking about those hypothetical nuclear waste storage sites where the environment itself and all of, like, the, the buildings have been marked in order to impart a sense of danger to anyone who comes across it, even if it's thousands of years in the future when nobody speaks any language that we currently speak. So they have to use these images to invoke a sense of doom to dissuade people from coming near near these sites. I think that would be interesting. Well, I mean, if nobody knew came near the sites, then they'd probably depower a little bit too quickly, which is... I don't think that that is perhaps the best idea for uh, long-term danger storage then, but it does have a sort of interesting vibe to it. I feel like that, like, it would be okay to leave that as, like, to guard an area because as soon as somebody came along and felt unwelcome, the magic would reactivate. But I I think that that's... Oh, I was thinking that once it, like, completely died, then it was just gone. Oh... Like, you could recreate it and recreate an effect, but once the original magic was gone, it was just gone. Interesting. I think... Well, first, I was, I'm was i going to finish my previous thought. I think uh, this is a world where, like, interior decorating suddenly becomes, like, a lot more <laughs> yeah, important. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. But then also, it might... There might be actually a market for like items that have been deactivated shall we say because people don't want to be influenced by magic in certain areas that's true i mean how could you sort of if every aspect of like human existence has an aesthetic component to it so how would you create like a safe zone without any <laughs> artistic influence even even like a, a concrete bunker is still brutalist if you're thinking about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's why that's kind of why I wanted to go for the like art dies when it is no longer remembered, even if it is later revived. Like there's something of the original missing. That sort of whole spirit of the art thing. Yeah. So I think there there would be like a process for like creating, you know, furniture or uh, like other items where they like purposefully like make it and then put it in storage for like a year where nobody can see it and then sell it. <laughs> well, I kind of think that like you you sort of have two things here because if you have like let's say somebody designs a chair for mass production, right? The designing of the chair is sort of an artistic thing where you're creating something. 
but like when you build 300 of the chairs you're not really doing that much in the way of like thinking about it right Mm -hmm. you're you're building a thing you may have some sort of pride in that thing but it's not like it's not that like labor of love that gets you the power from the art that other things do so i guess it would be sort of like mass-produced things are more safe as it were yeah like the less personal it is the safer would would a culture like this ever have sort of stumbled upon or intentionally created like mass-produced work though because it seems like an object or a piece of art having power is sort of like so fundamental to the existence in this world that like would you even think of doing something to make that go away would that be like a a common you know that's a really good point Mm -hmm. so actually i think carrying that on a little bit i think that that would sort of make it so that nobody's even thinking of like let's avoid all magic because why would you why would you think about that you can't (laughs) you can't avoid magic it's just yeah basically everywhere that people live so i don't i don't actually think that it would be important to avoid magic now that i'm thinking about it because they're just like yeah we just want magic that won't interfere in what we're doing if you're if you have your meeting place for people that you don't want their minds affected by magic you like have a painting of like a sanctuary or something just you know like a feeling of safety within the room or you would walk out into the woods and and just have have some go someplace that's untouched by human hands Hmm, it's hard to know like i think from my current perspective i would definitely want to be able to be somewhere where i'm not under the influence of any magic but if you grew up in in that context it might not ever occur to you it's just not something to avoid yeah maybe everyone's it's just like oxygen like how how would you live without it i mean it's a little bit more like (laughs) nitrogen it's just everywhere and you don't really need it but you're not really thinking about it and it doesn't really hurt you yeah you'd probably feel pretty creeped out if you went somewhere and you were seeing like maybe aliens probably wouldn't exist in this world but like if you if you went somewhere where there was clear indications of recent human like habitation or whatever and there was just like no feeling of the magic that comes from people creating things that would be pretty freaky i imagine Mm. Ooh, that would be a that would be a fun like mini adventure i think where you just go into like a ruin where there's a bunch of like art and sculptures and everything but it's all dead yeah does that lead into one of our other keywords i mean i don't i don't (laughs) think i think we've already moved past our keywords oh really oh yeah, I mean, the keywords are just to get us started. We do have, like, a like a world and a magic system. We have the beginnings of a plot where we have some sort of viral piece of artwork. But I was asking, like, what do we want that viral piece of artwork to do? I keep trying to crib ideas from In the Shadow of Heaven where I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's it's to create, like, a like a sort of country where, where everybody's working in unison. And then I'm like, wait. <laughs> I mean, you can feel free to crib ideas if you want. I don't mind copycats. Yeah, but, but I don't want to yeah. crib ideas from somebody who's actually on the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think we should go back to the keywords. Okay. Which ones haven't we done? Haven't we incorporated? Uh, contrary. Contrary. I mean, maybe if we're going back to like a viral piece of art, maybe there's someone who's looking at it who's like, 
this this thing is everywhere. Maybe it's a stranger coming into a different culture and it's like, you have hung this religious symbol or whatever up on every wall of every building and I am feeling opposed to that in some way. Like, I don't want this symbol that you have put everywhere. I don't, I don't want it. Oh, you just gave me an idea. Okay. So what if that was some sort of original viral strain of artwork, like you said, like a religious piece, and then we have somebody coming in who is objecting to something in that religion, so they work to create their own, like, opposing viral strain belief? Yeah, that's good. They're opposing what? Okay, so there's a piece of artwork, and let's say let's say it's a fairly complex one that comes from something simple, so that, like, anybody can, like, remake this piece but it carries with it like a lot of different kinds of meaning and obviously that drifts a little bit as time goes on and let's say there's some objectionable part to whoever our main character is does someone want to throw something mildly objectionable as part of a religion out there for me like an an existing religion or (laughs) no no just make Um, something up i'm let's not bring actual yeah fair Actually, I think it would be interesting if, like, this magical culture was just somehow, like, geographically isolated and then just, like, a stranger showed up and just completely, you know, interprets things differently, not because they particularly dislike anything. Well, but then you'd have the whole weight of intention thing, like, what matters more, a hundred people over and over, over a hundred years, or one new person with a slightly different interpretation. Like, it might shift it but it's not going to fundamentally change it unless you know they start discussing their interpretation with other people well other people would have to start to believe it yeah i think that'd be interesting it'd be like an almost like a new religion i mean the idea is vaguely interesting but it has these like weird colonial overtones that i'm not very happy with Mm. so what was the what were we trying to think of like a symbol for this religion I, w- I was just thinking of like a like you create a complex symbol for for the uh religion or belief or whatever and then like just some objectionable part of that that like somebody creates like a counter like a counter strain to sort of fight back at i'm thinking hold on <laughs> i mean i guess you could have like maybe one of the primary tenets of this sort of belief se- system is like secrecy where you don't want to share your thoughts with other people because then that influences them and so maybe this this person coming in wants to fight against that idea and be like no we should <laughs> we should be more communicative because having this weird culture of secrecy is causing people to like just straight up hate each other i don't know Actually, that's... I I like the beginning. I don't know how I feel about the hating each other, but what if it's just causing problems all the time instead of, like... And instead of, like, hating each other, it's just that, like, they've started bringing the secrecy into a bunch of things in their personal lives, so, like, nobody's really communicating, and it's just making things really difficult for no reason, and everybody's always working on art pieces, like, alone, even if it's just more art pieces of the same type. So it's just very confusing as to what exactly they're trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. And then 
our new our new person, or perhaps they're not even new. They like just grew up in this culture and then grew to hate it for some reason. Like maybe there was some secret that shouldn't have been a secret that caused one of their family members to get hurt or something, and then they're just like, "Yeah, I'm not here for that." So they essentially create like a like a sort of counter strain. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but what was this original magic supposed to be accomplishing? Well, I mean, it's not so much that it was supposed to be accomplishing anything directly it's as it was supposed to give people, like, an idea and a, um, what's that word? Like, something to bind them together, but it, like, magically enforces part of that. Okay. So it's, like, a feeling, a feeling of unity as well as a feeling of, like, the individual tenets of belief that whoever this is has. Okay. Let's call it an ethos. So, okay, so the previous belief that was enforced is kind of this, like, individualism of expression and interpretation. And we can make a symbol, maybe. I don't know, what symbol would that be? I mean, it would be, it would be what you want it to be as far as, like, the person actually writing this goes. Because <laughs> whatever the symbol is, as long as it's reproducible by just, like, a random person on the street, it's not important what it literally is. So much as it is important what it means to the people who see it. Yes, but okay, we can let whoever wants to write this story decide what it is. And then our character somehow inverts it or re... Modifies it. Yeah. And then this causes a shift in the ethos of the, of the world. Well, it causes a shift in the way that people, in, that people interpret both the new symbol and the old symbol. Okay. So does this come into conflict with something or someone? I imagine the people who are in charge of whatever the power structure is are not very happy with a change in said power structure. Yeah, I mean, especially if it goes against sort of the whole culture. And if the, if the original idea was to stop people from unduly influencing each other and spreading all of their contrary sort of viral ideas everywhere this would be <laughs> problematic to have someone come in and just be like, oh, no, everybody needs to just make all of... <laughs> everybody needs to sit down and talk to each other for once in your lives. Okay, so I guess they would probably see it as like this guy trying to induce a hive mind. You know, they would see him as the evil or her. Well, yeah, that's uh, why they come into conflict, I would assume. And then, but again, it's all up to interpretation. What, is it unity? Is it hive mind? Is it evil? Is it good? <laughs> and then philosophical questions, philosoph- oh God, philosophical, philosophical? questions <laughs> can, are, are, are being explored. And then how do we want to resolve this conflict? I don't know if it's a conflict that you necessarily need to resolve by, like, the end of the book. Like, you could you could introduce, like, a secondary conflict that the main character is, like, trying to avoid being killed, I guess. Uh, but the way that they resolve that is they essentially convince, like, they could convince the people in power that, like, hey, our, my art and the art that you guys are using, they're both only have as much weight as people give to them so why don't we let the people who this affects decide which of them they prefer because like you don't necessarily need to resolve the wider like conflict because really what i think this sort of idea boils down to is a sort of discussion of like 
the nature of art and the artist and like what does that mean to the people who come after yeah it risks getting very meta very fast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well i I assumed that this was where it was gonna go (laughs) yeah uh i guess if i were to write this i you know i like to make things very literal what i would probably do would be to have like some kind of like evil cultist form out around the new symbol and they are actually trying to induce a hive mind and in the end what the originator of of the new symbol is actually trying to fight to like have a happy balance between individualism and talking to each other the the word is collectivism Uh, i assume you meant the opposite of individualism eh, not quite but close enough (laughs) okay it seems just like a little bit a little bit physical for a story about art. Yeah. I uh I'm a very literal person. But uh That's fine. It doesn't have to go that way. It can just It obviously doesn't. It can just end in this philosophical meandering. Oh yes. With with no answer. Hey, who needs an answer? I need an answer. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I think it would be sort of an interesting visual has popped into my head of like what if someone puts the protagonist in like a horrifying torture labyrinth where just like the walls are covered in images and you are just lost in this I don't know maze of weird warping perceptions that are constantly like coming in in on you without being able to escape. You have a bit of a date of this labyrinth thing going on there where you get trapped in your own creation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the original artists of this labyrinth. Like, I feel bad for them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I also feel bad for the people that whoever this power structure is sending into there to maintain it. Because this is a this is like a jail cell that, like, needs to eat people to continue to exist. <laughs> Mmm, tasty human sacrifice. Which, that's a feeling. (laughs) So that's where they put all the worst criminals. Um, sometimes they wouldn't have the worst criminals, so they'd just feed it people. Well, they would, they would, you know, they would... Make the attempt, but, you know, sometimes it's more important to maintain your, uh, maintain your, uh, thing than, uh, just make sure that an innocent person isn't eaten by the labyrinth. I mean, come on. Oh, I'm sure they have enough not so bad criminals that they would just be like, eh. I mean... You didn't murder anyone, but uh, the the labyrinth needs recharging, so... Uh... (laughs) I'm just gonna point out that justice systems don't have a great history of beating, like, a 5% innocent rate, so just given that and the fact that they wouldn't be catching everybody to begin with... And I think they'd be feeding some innocent people to the labyrinth. Oh, yeah. The labyrinth is very hungry and it will eat anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they would be convicted, but they might be innocent. That doesn't say anything about their, uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and also doesn't say anything about what they're convicted for. Petty thief? Oh, the labyrinth is hungry today! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We don't have anybody worse than a petty thief in today, so... Guess you're the labyrinth's food. <laughs> That's pretty freaky. 
That is a really freaky part of the world, and I love it. Yeah. You guys are creepy. <laughs> it also lets you cut a little bit of the uh, moral ambiguity of the two sides here. Uh, <laughs> not all of it, but the significant part. I mean, unfortunately, if anybody in the in the world can create art like this, then anybody in the world is capable of creating their own horrific torture labyrinth whatever or their own equivalent well my thing is like any magic that is applying to the labyrinth like you're the first person who's going to be affected when you create it Mm -hmm. so the person who made the labyrinth was messed up in the head oh well yeah that's a given yeah (laughs) and then the people who follow afterward and use that are like less messed up in the head necessarily but or at least in a different way they're just unethical you know they're like ooh this person who had severe mental illness and uh, killed himself uh, left this uh, really unpleasant thing let's use it do we want any other like main characters other than our uh, rebel with a very specific cause well I mean is is this really like a creation uh, of Natalie if it's not gay romance <laughs> <laughs> sure, we can we can we can have a love interest. What's the love interest up to? I'm not sure. We'll be very stereotypical. Well, we've got a nice setup, so maybe they work for the other side as like an artist who creates, uh, you know, functional pieces of art as opposed to like huge ones that are supposed to have like intentional like effects on society. They work for the people who are currently in charge, and they do things like create pieces of art that make people feel safe in buildings that they want to be, uh, you know, safer. Okay. So it's like, happy person, makes happy paintings. Well, not always happy, but always purposeful. Yeah. And then... And specific. But then doesn't realize, what, the darker side to the organization? I mean, I'm okay with them having realized it a long time ago, but just not think it's uh, productive to go up against them. Okay. How do they meet? I don't know. Maybe they went to school together or something. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't but know. I was just going to go with, like, they're kind of bound to meet, given that uh, Love Interest, you know, works for the people who are trying to stop this art from uh, taking over. So they have somebody who creates art, so they create counter-counter art. Okay. For a little while, and then they, like, meet each other. That makes sense. And because there's there's sort of an interesting element to this uh, where you sort of have two people who are essentially quoting each other's art back at each other over and over and over again and, like, building on it, which is uh, intimate in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. So they, oh, that's so cute. They just have this, like, dialogue through their art and then just fall in love without ever meeting. And then they meet. Or they do meet, <laughs> but, like, it's... <laughs> I was going to say they do meet. No, they have to fall in love before they meet, so it's more romantic. (laughs) Okay. You know what? Let's go with that. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, we're doing it. (laughs) They speak through their art. They express their souls. It's cute. (laughs) Yep, sounds good. All right. You know, I I can live with that. Uh... (laughs) Honestly, if you wanted to turn this whole thing just, like, on its head and go, yeah, so that whole 
enormous like viral plot thing yeah screw that let's go let's make it a romance instead <laughs> i would actually be okay with that <laughs> sometimes that's the way things go eunice tries to put a plot together and then it just turns into fluff uh, i don't think that's sometimes the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair my usual plan it doesn't turn into fluff it turns into just like complete melodrama and like disturbing places but it's a little bit maybe not what uh most people want to go for yeah yeah <laughs> although the plot still does get tossed to the side and i'm just like so this whole plot thing eh. <laughs> that's the danger of writing yeah why plot when you can fluff <laughs> oh man okay so we have magical art we have world affecting magical art we have counter magical art and then we have counter counter magical art that results in a in a cute romance anything else i don't think you'd uh really need anything else to at least start a story or get like through a book one yeah there's definitely a lot of building blocks there to work with okay do you think this would be a multi-book series I don't know if it could... I mean, you could make it into one, but with what we have right here, I don't think that that's necessarily a requirement. Yeah. It's very abstract for a multi-book series, but obviously I only write literal things, so... I mean, presumably when you're writing it, there would be a lot more concrete details that you would flesh out into secondary plots, etc. You would have an actual character, (laughs) and they would have a name? (laughs) Step one... I always start with step four, per- personally. <laughs> hey, step four is way more entertaining than step one, so we just put step one off until literally the day that step one needs to be done. And then, bam, random name. Exactly. Okay. Random name generator. Sounds good. Or you could just, like, look up a name that means what, like, something, like, incredibly obvious. You know, just like, hmm, this person is going to be the way that this society changes in the future. Let's name them Light in another language. (laughs) Trust me, nobody looks it up. (laughs) And only a few people will, like, know what it means without looking up and then call you out on it. That's true. And they definitely will, but then you can just, like, pretend, like, oh, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) All right. So I do think that that manages to uh, wrap up our story for today. Unless anybody has anything specific to uh, bring about? Nope. Okay, so uh, Natalie, where can uh, people find your art? And by and by art, I actually mean writing, because you're a writer, as well as an artist, but that's a different thing. I am a writer. Yes, it is. Um, well, the main place, like my main hub for all of my links is gayspaceopera.card.co that's card with two R's but you can also find the the story that I'm working on right now, it's called Wheel Inside a Wheel and you can find that at bit.ly forward slash wheel inside a wheel I also write In the Shadow of Heaven which is a different (laughs) gay space opera that's on hiatus right now but I am starting to work on it again so that is at bit.ly forward slash shadow of heaven All right. It's fairly complete. Anything else you want to shout out before we wrap up? Not that I know of. Okay. Then that's that's today. Yeah, if you liked what you heard and you want to check out some of 
Natalie's stuff, go to the places that she directed you to. <laughs> if you like this idea in particular and want to write it, send us an email at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com and let us know about it so we can give you a shout out as well as your bonus points. <laughs> Feel free to share this with any of your friends who you think might also enjoy our podcast and also leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever the other sites do. I'm not entirely sure what I'm supposed to be saying here. I just know that there's a lot of podcast stuff. Wherever podcasts are sold. Exactly. Except they're not sold. They're just like posted <laughs> online. Yeah. So really it's entirely just confusing. I don't know what's going on. We'll figure it out eventually or not, you know. Or not. Probably or not, but... Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Anyway, I think that's us uh, signing out for today. So, okay. see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.